When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to Heart and Hand. A moment of Borna Barisic quality breaks the buddy's defense. Simply the best at the simple digital arena. <laughs> Hello, thank you for joining the Heart and Hand flagship show on Monday. My name is Cameron Bell. I am uh, stepping in for Mr David Edgar as he is uh, taking some well-earned time off uh, and has entrusted me to be able to come to you guys with uh, our usual weekly flagship show, which uh, hopefully you've all been waiting for. Uh, I'm fortunate, however, that I've uh, been able to pull out probably my dream team. I know you've all been doing your fantasy footballs recently. Well, my top two picks have been able to join me this evening. The first one is the wonderful Mr. Adam Thornton. Good evening, Cammy. Good evening, Adam. Good evening. And uh, Mr. Smooth Radio himself, Mr. Martin Ramsey. <laughs> Good evening, Cammy. Good evening, Adam. Good evening, everybody. How are we both? Are we well? We are very, very well, thank you. Yep. Excellent, excellent. Well, listen, boys, we'll get cracked into it because we do have quite a bit to, to pick up this week as well. Um, so first things first, uh, obviously Rangers hot off uh, a very, very fortunate uh, game of football at the St Mirren Stadium. And I say fortunate because there was one team playing football and it wasn't St Mirren. Um, Martin, you were at the, sim- uh, the Simple Digital Arena. Um, did you get sunburnt? Did you want a, you know, did you want to take a good book? Sometimes it was a bit of a slog throughout the game. And no sunburn, thankfully. Um, I did forget my cap, which any of you know me um, is a, a potential issue. Uh, but I was just about covered uh, for the uh, entire game, thankfully. Um, yeah. Nice day in the sunshine. Um, maybe that affected the overall tempo of the game. Uh, unseasonably hot, really. Um, and yeah, well, we've seen this story before, haven't we? Away from home. Um, the, the first half resembled be, but the second half was, was a bit different, thankfully. But um, yeah, get used to it, buckle in, because this is, this is what life is going to be on the road. Yeah, so Rangers came into the game after uh, the nil-nil draw across in Poland. Um, the manager made five changes. Um, I think you know it's fair to say, Adam, that the likelihood was going to be that uh, we were going to see some squad rotation. Fortunately, it would appear that the only necessary change was going to be to Shea Ojo, who picked up a slight knock. Um, but we did get an opportunity to be able to see uh, a defence, including Philip Hellander, in the league uh, making his debut. Um, within the kind of start of the game, uh, there wasn't really kind of too much in terms of uh, open play, but the first chance did come within a few minutes uh, when Scott Arfield played through Jermaine Defoe, a ball over the top of the, the, the kind of midfield, falls to Defoe, who has a beautiful touch with his side foot, plays it into Scott Arfield. Arfield then plays a one-two with him and then um, 
I'm unlikely for Defoe. He uh, shoots wide of the post. Adam, it was a good opening gambit. I think uh, it signified our, uh, our intent straight from the, the off. Yeah, definitely did. I think you're on the the, um, the changes to the lineup. I think you're spot on. It's crazy that we can make five changes now, and everybody kind of thought, yeah, most of those seem okay. We've not really weakened the team too much. I think Barisic starting was maybe a surprise, although I would expect Flanagan to play both games coming up, and Halliday, I don't think exactly covered himself in glory against the uh, East Five, so it's maybe not that out of the ordinary for Barisic, and it's, it's probably a good job that he did start. But yeah, you're right, that, that first chance was a great start, to be honest, if that goal went in. It's, it was probably the best move of the game, actually, um, even though it happened so early, and you would put your money on Defoe getting that 99 times out of 100. If he had scored that within two minutes, that's game over, effectively. St Mirren's game plan is done, the game plan that we've seen. Um, probably they still would have done the same thing, but it just completely takes the pressure off, and I would imagine we go and get another couple of goals after that, but it wasn't quite to be. Yeah, Martin, I think, uh, you know, I mean, obviously Adam and I were there, we were watching, um, and, and I don't know if you saw this throughout the team, as, as obviously you're seeing the whole park, but it felt as if maybe we were a bit laboured to begin with, that, that one move aside, it kind of felt like as if we were having to try and settle our way into the game a little bit, was that the kind of feeling in the crowd at the time? Uh, a little bit, uh, you would have a better view than me, because... <laughs> Anyone who's sat behind a goal, certainly low down. I mean, it's it's absolute peasant ticket stuff. Um, you don't appreciate how close that Defoe chance was, how good that Defoe chance was. You don't really appreciate uh, breaking the lines, if at all. Um, the fact that Jordan Jones was cutting in so much would indicate that we, we, we weren't really. But, you know, you're, I don't know what, I was Ro G, so you're, you're not that far up, but it's very difficult to get a handle on. Obviously, second half's completely different, so um, it it did feel a wee bit labour, a lot of side to side. Again, same old, same old. We, we, we've seen it um, so often last season. Um, we'll talk about how we found a solution uh, in the second half, and and you know, set plays are, are becoming more important to to find the solutions to those extremely low blocks, and uh, that's that's all. Well and good, um, but but yeah, it felt a wee bit more of of, of the same, uh, a bit of huffing and puffing. Um, but it difficult to tell at the time. I watched it back, but yeah, uh, that that was certainly a, a bit a fair bit of mummering around where I was about. Yep, strap in for for another one of these classics. <laughs> well, um, we nearly got a shock uh, not long thereafter when. Um, we uh, had quite a bit of a scare with the uh, Obika's slice cross came right across the back of the goal, and I, I, I don't, I don't really know what Alan McGregor was kind of thinking at this point. And all of a sudden, I'm getting flashbacks to Daniel Kandias. Mm-hmm. But as it comes right across, uh, Adam, the I, I don't know if you felt McGregor was convinced that he was that was going wide or it was going over the top of the goal, but it comes off of his right hand post, and all of a sudden that seems like a little bit of the kick up the arse that we might have needed to perhaps raise the tempo slightly and get a little bit more urgency in our play. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those cross-come shots, isn't it, that I think it's it's clearly a, a punt into the box and he's just, I think, because misjudged the flight of it and so is McGregor, I think. I think he probably thought it was sailing over. Um, it would have been a comical goal, like you said. It would have been like Candace's, although from a, even from a much um, harder angle, um, it, it was a wee bit of a wake-up call, I think, for us, yeah. And then later on, we also had the... Uh, Maybe a slight penalty scare. I think uh, having uh, you know also probably watched it back a few times. I think that the correct decision came out of Kevin Clancy when Philip Hellander almost brought down um, the St Mirren striker. It'll be in the box, but we got away with one. Some were saying, other people were saying, no, it's it's a coming together. Um, Martin, you're a massive uh, VAR advocate. I'm I'm just hoping. That uh, having seen the replay, you've uh, you've not had a a change of heart, thinking that um, Clancy's given the correct decision, and actually it wasn't a penalty. No, the the, the replays are fairly conclusive. I would have thought, um, well, it wasn't a penalty. I I, I text the group chat, I think, um, for a a view on it because I it did look a bit of a, a coming together. It did look a bit clumsy. I think all I could say at the time was it, it wasn't handled particularly well um, from from uh, Hollander. Um, 
slight concern there, um, but but no, it, it wasn't a penalty. Although someone fans on Twitter using that evidence as um, a clear cut argument that it should have been a penalty. Incredibly, maybe the same Simon fans that were arguing about uh, the handball penalty that we got uh, at Ibrox last year where the boy almost travels in basketball terms um, mm-hmm. into the box with uh, the, the, the ball in his hand um, it, it might have been the same uh, maniac that, that was uh, uh, showcasing that bit of evidence but no it wasn't a penalty but it was a scare I can tell you that much Yeah so it gets us um, probably a couple of um, kind of wee tickles in terms of where we're at and there wasn't really much more to kind of talk about actually up until the you know the, the singular piece of quality was was produced um Jermaine Defoe involved again um he's he's been able to to kind of turn his man um as much as I dislike talking about him I will refer back to Michael Stewart here who um unsurprisingly believed that this was a, a foul by Defoe uh where he's being held and he's also holding his marker but then um Waters from St Mirren just comes in and completely wipes him out. And at this point, it's uh, positioned uh, probably about 25 yards out. Tav and Borna Barisic are standing over the ball. Adam, I've got to assume at this stage you're just waiting for your man to step up and, and, and break the deadlock, are you not? As he does so many times, yes, stepping up from a from a set piece or a dead ball. Um, I thought it was probably more set up for for Barris, which I think, given it's on that side of the park, etc. But you still think that Tav is going to take um, he's going to take the lead on it, being being the captain. And he uh, had the one earlier, one... didn't he? He had one the first he half. Did. Two he did. Over and, probably um, why he didn't take this one. It was going <laughs> it was going miles wide, and it kind of deflected off the 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 wall. Um, and I was talking to the guy beside me about I just asked him when the last time Tav scored um, from a free kick because um, it used to be you know every week he would score you know when he when he started um, but yeah you're, you're absolutely right that, that that was that was perfectly placed for the the, the left foot I think you're asking a lot of a uh, a right footed player to get that um, over and across do we, was... we count the old firm game <laughs> as a as a free kick goal yeah absolutely yeah I guess so yeah but you know what I mean, though. He was, I know, no, definitely. I think it's, it's more of a cross come. It's more yeah. of a cross come goal. Yeah, no, I think you're right. When he arrived, it was like, oh, we've got a free kick from anything inside 25, 30 yards. Even so it was like having a penalty. Um, it's strange how players just stop doing that sometimes. Yeah. It's like nothing they, to do they... with the opposition. No. Yeah, it's, it's the same distance. Um, it's it's just a yeah a confidence thing, I guess. I, I, I don't know, um, but it was uh, it was one of those that the second that left. The ground it was in. Well, it's, well, listen. If if Man United are uh, going to rotate their penalty takers, then we should be able to rotate our free kick takers. Yeah, a bit However, more success, un- unlike Man United, we are far better at it. Um, Borna Barish steps up and hits a beautifully sweet strike, which goes over the wall straight into uh, the postage stamp in the corner. The keeper who, albeit I don't really think had too much to kind of do, was getting nowhere near it. Um, and uh, that is Borna Barrett's first goal for the club since his last one against St. Joseph's was stolen off him unceremoniously <laughs> by um, Connor Goldson. Connor Goldson decided to also get his revenge in this because Borna is standing in front of the Rangers fans celebrating. Jumps in his back, and when you have a behemoth like that jumping in your back, you can do nothing but move forward. And as he did, he was put into the crowd and uh, and booked for his troubles. Um Adam, it was a cracker. Uh, yes, I know you're the world's biggest James Tavernier fan, but you've got to admit that was an absolute cracking strike and um, brilliant to see uh, to see him getting off the mark. Oh, brilliant. Um, it was just perfect, like Martin said. As soon as it leaves his foot, it just curls perfectly. Um, and there's a is it GoPro or slow-mo that Rangers have got on Twitter when you see it hitting the net. It's just perfect. Um, I, I feel... <laughs> It's easy to say after he's he scored the, go- the the only goal that's won as a game, but I kind of feel a bit sorry for Barisic. The last two games he's played it relatively safe. He's not made any mistakes really. He's he's kept it neat and tidy. He's not really been rampaging forward. But if Andy Halliday delivers those type of performances, everybody thinks, oh, he did all right there. He didn't do anything wrong. He was absolutely fine. It's just a he seems to have a weight of expectation, I guess, based on 
what we've seen with Osijek uh, and also I guess the transfer fee hasn't really helped him. Um, there's a really good piece in The Athletic today, Cammy, by, by Jordan Campbell, obviously, about Barisic. Um, he's went and interviewed the, the Osijek manager, who I think we'll all remember from, from last year, but he's he's surprised with how poorly he's done since he's been at Ibrox. I think everybody could, could say the same. Um, but what he did say was that they used to basically set up the team specifically to get the best out of Barisic. Literally 90% of their play was to, to get him free. Um, even if they went down the right, it was with the aim of switching over quickly so they could get him free. Um, I think what we see here is that he's maybe not quite as round of the other aspects uh, as he could be, um, other than just that rampage down the wing. So obviously when we are set up to play a little bit differently than that and we, we want him to take the ball in tight spaces and effectively do what Tav does, which is kind of beat two men or shimmy it past two men quickly and, and deliver a ball in, he's maybe not quite suited to it. What he is really suited to, obviously, is, is pinging the ball into the box, which I guess is fine, but when your Rangers playing against St Mirren, um, the last thing you kind of want to do is get down the wings and get it wide and ping, ping balls into the box for Defoe. It doesn't really work, so I, I do feel he's a wee bit still trying to find his, find his feet, both in terms of, I guess, fitness and his, his role within the squad, but I guess how to how to combat teams that we play against. He's probably never really experienced that before. And there's a bit of catch twenty two about it because what we what we expect from and what we know he can do um, takes a lot of confidence. Yeah, it takes a lot of positivity and it ta- it's risk reward stuff, right? You know, that's kind of overlap fullback bombing up and down. Um, you know, given that option for the for the. Uh, the guy on the left-hand side of the three, you know, the way that Tav has done pretty much since he he came through the door. Such a stop-start season last year. Um, at any club, uh, is difficult for a new arrival. At any club in a new country, is difficult. And this is one of the hardest football clubs in the world to get started at. And to if, if you don't get started, it's, it's now impossible to turn that around. Um, you know, you're talking about a handful, and my 30-odd years of watching Rangers who've, who've been able to do that. Um, and especially at this period of history where we are starving, ravenous for success. We want it yesterday. No patience at all, understandable um, to a degree, given uh, everything that's happened. So the, the circumstances are not ideal. He's a professional footballer, though. He has to overcome that. But in order to... You know, do what he can do. He, he needs to have a positive mindset, and that that has to come from confidence, which has been shot to shit. And then after that incredible goal, he's you know, holding. He's, I don't know if he pulled up with cramp or or, or something, because um, again, it's down at the other end of the field. Um, but you're thinking, oh Christ, surely he's not going to come off injured um, after just an, an incredible goal. You, you hope that's going to kickstart his um, his career, maybe, uh, because that hasn't helped last year as well. Obviously, with the the, the injuries, so uh, it's it's a tricky one uh, because we're asking him to do something that only a, a guy absolutely full of confidence can do. It's difficult, I think, and I think I mean we refer back to obviously because he's been attached to the now infamous Liverpool under-23 game. And I think that that has been his real turning point because I think we all know well enough now that if the manager is not seeing enough from you in training in terms of what you're doing and what you're delivering in day-to-day, firstly, you're not playing at the weekend. And secondly, your your time at the club is going to be pretty limited. Um, What I would like to believe, and what I think a lot of Rangers fans see is that... And I understand the weight of expectation coming into him. Totally understand all of that. But then there's also the point of, well, he doesn't really have any major competition for the slot. So unlike Tav, who pretty much just owns that position and and won't ever really be moved from it, Barisic should have that opportunity. Um, However, like other positions within the team, including Alfredo Morelos, he's going to have to rotate and take his opportunity when it comes. So I think, personally speaking, I, I admire the fact that he is going to try and, 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 and prove to the manager that when he gets his opportunity, he's going to uh, hopefully create opportunities like the, 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 the goal that he scored on Sunday. But also the game, you know, against St. Joseph's, where, let's face it, you know, he did play very well, you know, should have scored in terms of, you know, obviously Goldson nicked the ball off the line with him. My hope is that it gives them the beginning of the plat, you know, the platform of the season to, to kind of continue to build on that. And if we can retain them and we can take them in there, 
um, as long as his attitude stays in check, then I think that yeah, we very much could look like a very successful player. Um, the goal was obviously a piece of uh, absolutely fantastic quality. Um, on the the Patreon uh, post match update, David had said yesterday that um, he had felt that you know we'd, we'd been able to kind of see the game out. It wasn't too much of a of an issue. It didn't feel as if it would turn into Kilmarnock because quite bizarrely, St Mirren never really felt the need to kind of come out against us, um, which which I was you know really surprised that I, I, I don't know I would have I, absolutely have assumed that with a good, you know, maybe third of the game left to play, that at that point they would have opened up and tried to come in. But they, they've remained, you know, remained in the same formation as well, Adam. Yeah, I wasn't surprised at all, really. They they defended so um, so deep it was, literally, from 30 yards from their goal. Uh, and I guess that's where the frustration comes in with um, the performances of, of our players. I, I don't think we, we've said many, many times on this show that we, we don't need... Um, to play Jack and Kamara together in these type of games. We, we don't need to, regardless of the position they're playing in the field, we don't need two players whose game is more suited to keeping the ball and, and kind of recycling play. We, we, we want players who, who move forward a bit more. I know Jack does that over this season and, and kind of the tail end of last season. He's been doing that very, very well and he's absolutely improving at it. But he played, certainly for the first half, predominantly in the defensive midfield role. So, Guys like Kamara really need to step up and be that link man and get forward. Has to be said, Aribo had another quiet game uh, after Thursday night. These are the games that, for me, he's being bought to to absolutely dominate and to, mm. to get on the ball, rampage forward, commit defenders, play the ball into Defoe, play it into Arfield, play it into to Jones, get Barisic on the overlap. And it, it just didn't really happen. We knew the problems with the midfield last year were well documented. We didn't have enough quality. We didn't have enough players who could change games. Jordi Bo is doing that. Um, it's probably unfair to say that he is in a, a quiet period or anything. But certainly these last two games, he's been a little bit safer than, than he was um, in the earlier games. So for me, if he's not on form, if Jones, as Martin alluded to, isn't on form. Now, Jones has had a lot of plaudits this season, um, but the caveat for me is he's had a lot of plaudits playing against teams who don't defend deep. Now, that yeah. was always the issue last year was, how is he going to do against teams that, that defend deep? Now, yesterday we've seen not very well, really, if we're honest, and, and when you don't really score and you don't assist many goals, as he doesn't, and I think he only got four four goals and assists last year in its entirety. You need to be that guy who is assisting the assister um, or, or being involved in the build-up play. He was essentially just getting the ball yesterday and kind of running down the wing and trying to cut in and then shoot or cross. There wasn't really much guile about it. Um, whereas on the other side, we are field, you have essentially too much guile where he's trying to be too clever um, and, and slip balls in that, that Defoe's not getting or we've not got a rebo or we've not got camera supporting. Um, so while St Mirren, Cami didn't, come out and they were maybe deeper than even we thought one goal wasn't going to change that for them they're just happy not to get a doing I think at this stage in the season for me we had to be a lot more aggressive and I think it says it all when you hear people's man of the matches and they're saying it's, it's maybe Goldson or it's or it's Ryan Jack kind of two of the most three de- defensive players on the park when we're playing against a team like this it really says it all the, the attack for me just didn't get firing um we could have and should have really got the, the game to bed before half time got a couple of decent players rested for for Thursday night but instead we, we well I, I agree with David's point we were never really in doubt although that chance could go anywhere in the in yeah, the last minute. Scales. we're never really in doubt however we shouldn't have to be concerned yeah. that there's six minutes of stoppage time that's the big thing for me really Martin the point I was going to so yes Adam's totally right the point we're going to come back to as well was not only just the stoppage time and the chances that, that obviously we just kind of alluded to we, we take Jones off because I think not necessarily through any kind of fault of his own he didn't really have the kind of the space to be able to get in there but we brought Stephen Davis on and then with 15 minutes to go Jermaine Defoe who if I'm being perfectly honest didn't have his best game for Rangers but again I think that's probably due to the setup more than maybe having an off day, is replaced by Alfredo Morelos. Um, Alfie was able to kind of carve open a couple of chances. Now, I, th- I suppose really what I'm, I'm quite excited about is, obviously, you know, as, as, as we've, we've, we've seen previously, Morelos is a great opportunity to be able to come off the bench. Um, and even when he comes off, uh, he, he's still, you know, scoring, you know, two goals in a game. 
he comes off and uh, he comes off the bench on Sunday. He comes on and almost kind of through his own work rate creates a couple of chances as well, which uh, you know were unlucky. Uh, one of them in particular, where he's kind of skinned his man, come inside, mm. uh, hits right across the goal face. You know, uh, six inches to the right hand side. That's going in the the far away post. Scott Arfield then is is replaced by Andy King, uh, making his league debut for the club. Um, Yes, we're using three substitutes. Yes, we've been able to try and do that. We are being pragmatic with our resources as well. But are we back to a position just now where in order to calm nerves and to solidify the result, similar to Kilmarnock, we we need to go two goals in front? Yeah, just because we're... We still we have still have that scar tissue from last year, I guess, as, as supporters. Um, and again, it's, it's maybe us projecting uh, onto the the players. Maybe they don't feel it. Maybe they they do feel comfy um, and and secure. Um, but we away games. That's the ball game this season, right? If you want to be league champions, we need to convert the away defeats and draws into wins. Simple as that. And that means coming up with other ideas to, to break this stodginess that we, we always face. So we know, because of our experience last season, that there's a, we've seen this movie before, there's a sting in the tail here. And it could have happened, by the way, um, near the end. Um, so, again, it's because we've, we, we've been here. We do this three or four more times. We just get that win, another set piece, we're always dangerous from a corner or a free kick or whatever, and we just start getting some wins on the road, then as supporters we probably just relax a wee bit more, because now experience and evidence tells you we'll find a way. And you flick it over, you get to 70 minutes and it's still nil-nil, but we'll, we'll find a way, because we'll, I've seen us do it you know, the past three or four or five games. So we're only shaped by what we know, I guess. Um, I actually thought the goal did change how, how we played. It might have been because I was seeing more of the action because it was up my end. Pardon the phrase. Um, but I, I did think we were breaking in behind more. Uh, I did think we were able to to just pierce the lines a, a wee bit. There was a lot of neat passing around the box, which was good. It was the final final decision-making. I mean, Morelos created a, a fair bit of space for himself now and again, but he, he went for for goal rather than there's maybe some other options uh, available to him but you know he's he's the striker he is he's always going to do that I guess uh, so again it, it could have been far more comfortable than it needed to be um, but it's that's the two away league games where um, a corner kick and uh, a free kick excellent deliveries both of them um, have have been enough and and that's fine because our set piece Execution last year probably wasn't good enough, both from from direct and indirect chances. And you can have as low a block as you want, pick that out the fucking net, you know. So teams again, if that happens again and again, teams are wary of that. Teams are wary of our ability from outside the box a wee bit more. I know Aribo was quiet on um, was well, certainly on on Sunday Thursday night maybe, um, but but he has that ability too. Um, so it's good to have more and more options uh, and that I thought as I said I thought it opened the game up a wee bit more we just didn't maybe make the most of that um, four centre mids on the park at one time was a bit of a bit of a funny one we throw back to Walter I don't know but um, <laughs> Andy King looked pretty comfortable he, he kind of knows what he's doing um, and so again having someone like that just to bring on uh, we've talked about this bench quite a lot on, on post matches it must be the strongest we've had since maybe even early McLeish um, because he's he's a proper footballer there uh, that can just come on and just take the ball for a bit. I think the, the point there you made about um, about the subs is, is pretty key. It just shows how cautious Gerard is as a manager that you go, um, not in a bad way, but it's, it's safety first really, same as, yeah, yeah. as Walter, but you go that one goal up and you're thinking... Um, who was it that we were thinking was was due to come off? Um, I can't remember who it was. Arfield maybe. Um, it must have been Arfield, yeah. Or uh, yeah. or Kamara possibly, and he puts on he takes off Jones and puts on um, Davis. Stephen Davis, which yeah. It's just to see out the game. Obviously, 
Aribo goes a little bit higher and wider. But the, Martin, that point about the, the kind of PTSD from last year is absolutely valid. Gerard said after the game, Cammy, that um, if you can't beat them, if you can't beat that low block through through playing through them, then the, the next best thing is to set pieces. Really, we've seen the threat that we've got from corners. We're obviously got that threat from from free kicks now as well from both sides. You have to say, um, yeah. which is which is good. So there's that, and you're right. Teams will start to notice, Cammy, that the structure of the team though is is looking a lot more solid. I would say in terms of. Certainly defence in midfield. Uh, the first three games last season, which was obviously Aberdeen, Motherwell and St Mirren, I think it was, we conceded 32 shots uh, and, and lost four goals. Um, what, three or four of them were uh, really poor defensive errors, I would say, two or three of them, sorry. But this season, they're not really that bad. 32 shots last season conceded at this stage, but only 17 so far this season. Um, the games have probably been comparable, I would say, in terms of... Uh, teams that we've played, so we are a bit better. We're giving up less chances. The midfield looks more solid and more structured. Um, it's just heavily dependent on Joe Aribo taking the ball and driving it forward. But I think Davis and Jack seem to be working really well together in terms of keeping the ball out and, and giving us a platform to play on. We just need the, the attacking players to, to take the ball and take the onus and, and try things. And that's well, what, fine, what is, by the way. I, th- th- I'd rather we were we had that solidity because clearly we didn't have it last year. We we, we were capable of being porous. Yep. Um, and fine, you, you get that and you, you build on it. And again, the confidence up front comes from the fact that we'll, we'll keep the door closed, right? So we'll if it gets to the hour mark, gets to 70 minutes, we'll find something. Um, but we're not going to get stung the way we, we were last year. And it's all from just, it's been said quite often since we came back, but... For the first time since probably 2010, a Rangers manager has been able just to add properly um, to a squad that he's happy with and hopefully some pennies dropping, some more work being done uh, over pre-season with a consistent group of players. So a consistent message starting to just seep in. And you are seeing those rewards because clearly those foundations were not strong enough last year. We we, we dropped four points in our opening two uh, away league games behind the eight ball already, always chasing. Um, and and that, that's the difference. Well, one of the things that we were talking about with that solidity and, and, and something that I'm keen to get your opinions on is the obvious conversation that has to happen around... Uh, our centre-halves. So, Katic, obviously, uh, was given a rest. There's no injury concerns as has come out of the club so far. Uh, Philip Hellander comes in. There seems to be, because of our marquee signing status for Hellander, that he should be able to come in and, and perform pretty well. Um, I'm not going to judge him too heavily on what we've seen so far, because it's been a bit of a kind of stuttered introduction to the team. Um I think he would have received a lot of negative press had that penalty claim been given. Um, I still think we're sitting in a position where our preferred options just now are as Goldson and Katic. Um, Adam, would you want to be able to see, so for example, obviously we've got some important games coming up this week, which we're about to touch on. Uh, would you like to see changes? Do you want to keep... Nico and Connor, or would you like to be able to to, to swap it around a bit to give um, uh, Hellander the, the the opportunity to come into some of the kind of larger, more important games? Uh, not right now. Uh, I think it's it's Goldson and Katic, and to be honest, I think most people would have called that pre-season, or, or certainly pre-Hellander coming in, that that we'd want Goldson and Katic to start as they did last season. Um, yeah, there's four of them there, which is which is great. However, the the money spent in that area, um, I think I'm on record before as saying, did we really need to spend that money on Hellander? I think he's been absolutely fine since he's since he's come in. Personally, I don't think he's put a foot wrong. But three and a half million quid on on someone who is now on the bench when we could, uh, as it turns out have spent that money on Kent and possibly got him in. I'm on the fence with that one, Cammy. but um, regardless of the original point there, I think it's Goldson and Katic for just now. Um, and then if, hopefully all being well, we get further in Europe, we can start um, rotating a bit properly, but I think there's no chances at the minute. No, Matt, I, I... Is, there a, is there a part to that which has obviously got to take into account for how, how well Katic has started? Because I don't think... Absolutely. Anyone... 
yeah, could have expected how well he's he's come out the come out the traps at the beginning of this season. Well, yeah, yes and no because he was like this at the the end of last season. But you're absolutely right. There's there's no he's still a young player. He's still in a new country. He's uh, he's prone to 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 bouts of as any young player is bouts of peaks in form. So I guess. Gerard looks at that and thinks possibly Edmondson's at the the same level in terms of experience, etc. It, it maybe be worthwhile to have another star centre half in there, and you can't really argue with that. And I think you're you're right. Katic has um has started the season very well, and I don't think there's any reason to drop him just now. No, I would agree with that. I think the the immediate listen these two games are huge. You you can't play a transfer fee in in these two games. Um, those two are the the, the form centre halves, they they have a partnership. As we speak at this moment, um, it's it's hard to argue against Adam's concern about the, the need for a large amount of our scarce resources being being placed there. However, let's revisit that in six months' time, because if this is really the the renaissance of of Nico Katic and he. Young player, new country, started well then, fell away and, you know, maybe some off-field stuff, got his head together, responded really well uh, and this is him for good. Then he's going to be a Rangers legend, right? But, again, he's still a youngster. Um, We could well be seeing him have an October-November like we did last year. In which case, you're fucking right, we need someone able to, to, to step up because the options weren't there last year. And that, that was a problem. So this is a longer term issue, I imagine. Uh, I don't think Calander was brought in um, for the month of August and September. Uh, and we were not in a, in a position to say goals and catch or the, the, the form that we, we've, we've seen so far, that's going to be the way it's going to be for the, for the entire season because we sat here in August last year with, with some similar thoughts about them. They, especially in Europe, they had started really, really well. Um, so, we we need two players for every position. End of story. Well, we've, we've we've alluded to it so far, so let's let's move on um, to obviously the week ahead. Um, obviously, a massive game coming up on Thursday for us at home to Legia Warsaw. Um, Legia it seems uh, had a little bit of their kind of own issue across uh, the weekend because uh, they played against uh, second from bottom um, Lods. Uh, and what would have appeared to have been a relatively straightforward game. However, Adam, they uh, had quite a number of, of uh, players rested for it. Um, they won the game 3-2, but had to come back from uh, a goal down twice in order to be able to try and do that. Um, it's even, even obviously, from uh, the first leg away, so it is going to be a, a shootout on, uh, on Thursday night. Uh, we will obviously see changes coming into the team. What's your, your thoughts in terms of what we can try and get out of it? Yeah, I think it was nine changes they made, wasn't it? It was only the, the goalkeeper on the left back, I think, they played. So I guess, yeah, they're going down. Um, going down uh, early doors isn't great, but the fact they've come back shows a wee bit of character, but it's almost irrelevant, I guess, really, isn't it, given the entire team's going to change. I was a wee bit disappointed last week at last week's game. I think I felt like we controlled it very well in the first half. We knew they would come out in the, the second half for the first 20 minutes or so, but then it was pretty obvious thereafter that that was kind of them done, and I, I felt like we had a wee opportunity there to to go and get a goal, um, a wee bit of risk-reward. 1-0 would have been brilliant for us, and I think obviously puts us huge in the driving seat, but uh, as it stands at 0-0, Cammy, they need to come out. Um the onus is on us to get a goal, obviously. We'll be wary of them on the counter. But we're good at this. We're, we're, we're decent at this. They'll, they'll come out a bit. Um, we'll hopefully be able to pick them off. We're not too bad at keeping the back door shut just now. I, I fancy us to, to at least um, to win the game, absolutely. Um, I, I can see possibly it getting a wee bit nervy if we're at 0-0 or 1-0 as we head up to half-time. Um, I don't think anybody's really going to settle down if, until we go maybe, if we go two goals up, I would say. But then you obviously do need to be wary of them in the break. But I didn't see massive amounts to concern myself with, um, if I'm honest. I thought we handled them relatively well and I think we should have a decent amount of firepower. Martin, you're uh, one of the most optimistic guys <laughs> I know. You must surely be sitting there thinking, yeah, we'll be four up by halftime. Uh, maybe just a three. Um, <laughs> oh, listen, it's... We... we uh, at this stage of a recovery, we, I, I don't think we're in a position where we 
are expecting or should be expecting group stage football. Uh, in Europe, we certainly won't be budgeting for it, I don't imagine. Um, and both seasons now, I think we've 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 been okay in terms of the draw, in terms of the the the, the luck we've had, because it could have been a hell of a lot better. I think we'd all have taken at the start of qualifying again for a nil-nil situation, the home leg. Um, and just that kind of one-off game to, to get through again. It would be another remarkable feat if we were able to do that. Um, the lack of away goal worries me slightly, uh, and the theft of a uh, score draw worries me even more. Um, but we're in a great position. It's going to be a it's going to be an exciting uh, evening, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm a bit nervy already. I'll be honest. Uh, certainly, I'm not thinking we're we're going to cruise it. Do you think um, it's going to be the case that Adam will 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 we'll start conservatively and build our way into the game? Do you think that we will look to be able to try and go from the outset? Do you have a preference as to the guards? What you would you would want to do? What's your uh, what's your thoughts in terms of how we approach it in the opening gambit? No, we can't. I don't think we can we can we can start conservatively at all. We're not good at that. <laughs> feeling our way into the game, we need to come out and we need to be in the front foot and try and get a goal within the first um, 10, 15 minutes that will just settle everybody's nerves. I think that's the way we should approach games um, and I really think that's what we need to do in this game. I probably treat it, I would treat them kind of Maribor, not Maribor levels last year, Rapid Vienna levels possibly last year in terms mm. of um, the danger they have. They're a kind of similar style of team. Um, obviously that result last season at Ibrox was, was 3-1, wasn't it? If we get that again, we'll be absolutely laughing. I think we've got it in us. I, I take Martin's point that we can't turn up and win, but I think we, from what I've seen, we are more than a match for them. Um, and I'll be obviously really disappointed if we if we come and we start trying to play it safe and hope to nick a goal late on, because that never, never works for Rangers. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think that we're going to have to be able to try and go out. I, I agree with you. I don't think we can really go out there and and leave ourselves exposed. We will obviously come on to um, Thursday's game and, and some news which is going to have been developed from over the last week or so shortly. But it's important, Martin, that the crowd get behind the team that we do create the energy in case maybe it's lacking from a team, although I don't believe that it will be. I think that we'll go out. I think we will try and be lively. I, I think that we will try to ensure that we, we pick up control of the game early stages within the first 10, 20 minutes or so, and then and then hopefully get there. Is it going to be the case that, you know, we've got the character in the team, that worst case scenario, we concede early? Do you feel that at the moment from everything that you've seen that we've got the um, testicular fortitude, as, as some would call it, to be able to turn it around if that happens in a worst case scenario. Yes, well, I think we do. <laughs> we we do. I, 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 well, it depends when a goal scored, I guess. Um, I, I don't think this team often push the panic buttons, um, especially uh, try to recover leads, uh, and then it you know it goes completely tits up. I, I don't know many times we've we've lost by more than one goal. It can't be that often. Um under Gerard, I mean. Um so I I don't think there'd be a, a big deviation from, from the plan. We we probably need two goals anyway to to be absolutely sure or to feel sure. So uh, you know if certainly if we lose one early ish, uh no, I I, I don't have of any big um concerns. Lose one with too much to go like we're we're in a, a bit of trouble. Um but no I it's going to be it's just going to be one of those nights in terms of the atmosphere the atmosphere will be what it what it will be you know I've been to big European nights before where we've just been we have been to, as supporters we've been tense because that's the game it's the context of the game provides an atmosphere not anything else it's the sport. It's the the outcome. It's the jeopardy. It's how we've been playing before it. It's the standard of the opposition. All these things. Um, and sometimes you just know um, those those famous nights before when you just go into the stadium and go right, we're we're on it. Um, and there's no there's no contrivance or design for that. It just it just it will be what it what it is, and um, it it will be noisy, but. Uh, the test of of these nights, I guess, is if if there's a, a an early uh, disappointment, 
uh, and how how we respond to that. But um, the team will it's it's a symbiotic relationship, right? I, I, I a wee bit up when we talk about the fans that uh, the, the job that the fans have, um, especially when you're paying eight hundred quid a year to be there. Um, the, the players are there to do a job, but we we bounce off each other, uh, and if if we those early signs that they're on it, then we're on it, and and then it it, it gets bigger and bigger. So um, it'll be an exciting night. I'm looking forward to it. If a little nervy that away go. Well, um, as I'm sure probably for most Rangers fans who have uh, been following the, the news cycle within the last week or so, the Legia game has been impacted due to uh, a fine which has been presented to the club from UEFA. Uh, following reports of sectarian singing from the St Joseph's home game. As a result of this, Rangers have been ordered to uh, close a section of the, the stadium with no fewer than 3,000 seats, which would be, um, and also have uh, a sign displayed with the hashtag equal game message uh, displayed upon it. Um, Adam, the, there has been a lot of back and forth, I think, through the papers, through social media, through. Um, various bits and back and forth, including banners displayed by the Union Bears in the last uh, in the last twenty four hours, and this has been around um, the the notification that several people, and if, uh, you know, will, will face the majority of that uh, closed allocation within the BF one area that obviously the Union Bears occupy. Um, this has been due to Rangers obviously reacting to the UEFA statement, fans and what they are obviously been singing. What's been your take on uh, everything that's happened within the, the statement released on Friday? You know, I, I can see both sides of it. Um, to be honest, I think the banners yesterday by the Union Bears were probably ill-advised, but I don't think there's anything really malicious there. I don't think they've done any harm. It's maybe just a bit of frustration on their part. Um, I think the statement that the Union Bears released, classing UEFA as a, a dubious organisation, kind of doesn't do them any favours, um, to be honest. We have to do what UEFA say in their competitions. Um, that's just facts. Rangers have obviously acted swiftly to appease UEFA um, with good reason, as we want to stay in the stadium. We don't want stadium closures, etc. Um I think for me though, Cammy, it is worth questioning fair though. Um, they're not a new thing. We we know their links, but you would hope that the club are doing that already. Um, it would be good to know that for sure, that the club are, are kind of trying to deal with that situation rather than it just being in the background. Um, David has mentioned on countless pods that, that Fair are at the stadium for every Euro, Euro game. I think they've been at every home game since Progress two years ago. Are the club questioning why we get this treatment and, and why others don't? Is it even-handed? Um, are they targeting us for, for reasons that I think a few people have a rough idea about, but are, are is everyone aware of, of what's happening? I'm not saying that it's wrong for us to be um, facing these penalties, but are we on the front foot with it as a club? Are we just accepting this? Um, or, or is there anything that, that we can do to, to make sure we get a bit of an even hand? Martin, there's a, there's a conversation here which I think feels like the dialogue swing between ourselves and and UEFA, whether it's via FAIR or UEFA, is very much one way. But that seems to also show that there should be a greater dialogue between the club and the Union Bears as well. Because obviously, as we've released uh, the statement regarding obviously what's happened, etc., there is a backlash on the Union Bears. Do you feel that what could potentially get us onto the right foot at this point and avoid any further issues because what's quite clear now is and we can discuss political leanings and preferences and you know treatment being fair or unfair or whatever it is what it is and and it's going to come back to us if, if we continue doing it so we have to make changes that the club and the union bears should open up a dialogue with each other to say you know you need to be able to support us doing x if you support us doing y because i think that from someone who's not involved and has no dog in the fight, it can look from the outside looking in that there is no dialogue, there is no, you know, conversations happening to say, look, we need to stem this. If you truly claim to be the voice of Ibrox, you need to do this, this and this in order to make sure that we're not penalised for this. I'm not suggesting for a single minute that Union Bears are responsible for 51,000 people, mm. but what I'm saying at that stage is, okay, uh, I don't think anyone, as you've already said, pays 800 quid to go and, you know, 
self-police the guy next to you if he then decides to start singing songs which are deemed by UEFA as racist and sectarian. Do you feel as if that that would be the starting point in being able to try and progress forward with this so that we avoid fines, stand closures, stadium closures, potential expulsion, etc.? Well, everything moved at pace last week. Um, kind of out the... Kind of about the blue and kind of not. I mean, nothing's changed really since 2006. We, we've known that these songs, and we know what we're talking about here, um, two in particular, um, have the potential to get us into trouble. I think there's been a feeling, maybe a wee bit of complacency that, well, this is kind of over now um, because the songs were there last season um, and, and nothing's really been done. So this kind of came out, the, the, the blue a wee bit, um, the club may have felt the need to act um, publicly and swiftly because, you know, Adam said we'd kind of like to keep playing in these UEFA competitions. There's not really another show in town um, with regards, you know, um, uh, international competitions. So we, we are kind of at their um, their behest in terms of UEFA sanctions. The situation is very, very clear. Those songs that are going on now, it's, it's done, it's over. Um, the biggest surprise for me was that there were any songs sung um, at that St Joseph's game. The most deadest of dead rubbers um, I, I can I can remember. Um, but oh, it's just such a joy to be talking about fucking songs again um, after thirteen years. Um, in one sense, this is very, very simple, as as we know. In terms of UEFA sanctions, it, it absolutely is. But you, you know, Adam's right. There, there are other things going on that, that I hope the club are working with because the way the the involvement of fear is um, <laughs> less than fair. I think it's fair to say um, UEFA's. Uh, consistency on these matters um, how the act needs to be commensurate it needs to be consistent uh, and that's another issue all these are, are, are fine to bring up they don't excuse anything when we know the rules and I say we as a collective we it isn't just that group and the, 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 the Broomland Road so um, th- there is a, a, a collective responsibility I think it's probably been ignored this week and we've or the club publicly anyway, seems to suggest that, you know, it was a, an exclusive uh, group of people who um, were, were involved in the uh, were singing these songs, um, which is it's not the case. Um, so it's been a wee bit confusing, but I think it's been a wee bit panicked because the situation's clearly, it's, it's been pretty quick to, to turn around, unless there's obviously discussions behind the scenes that, that, that we're not aware of. Well, you, I think you're right. That it was very, very quick, wasn't it? Like you, I, I don't know how this. I can't proclaim to know how this has worked with section closers they've done before um, in any other stadiums for racism, etc. But the fact that it, it comes out um, and then we we get a statement out quickly and then it, it just happens. Is there an appeals process that that's no. went through anything like that? Is it just basically this has happened? If you don't do this, what's what's the punishment if you don't do it? All that sort of stuff. I feel like we didn't really get much in the way of any background or context um, as to what happened. I, I think the club could... I, I get, Cammy that they're probably tied to you need to do this or else you literally can't play mm-hmm. this game on Thursday is, is, is a realistic um, thing you could imagine UEFA saying, but could they have handled it a little bit better? Possibly. The, the two different email templates, one for BF1 and one for Club Deck, seems a bit odd, um, a little bit petty. And also, I think there's a wee bit of an elephant in the room for me that given the complete lack of any communication of, of reassurance to, to supporters with regards to the crushing and turnstile issues at, yeah. at Kilmarnock, um, by not commenting on issues like that, Cammy, which affect fan safety and affect the fans directly, and then coming out with this statement, which I, I completely agree with, but bringing this statement out so quickly uh, and so hard-hitting, I guess, um, it could potentially get certain fans' backs up a little bit. Um, there's, I guess, a reasonable argument there what is deemed worthy of action by by the club and, and comment by the club and, and what isn't. I think, um, so it's interesting, and I think you're right, and I think that there's certain aspects where the club will respond quickly. I can't necessarily blame the club for saying, well, if it's a, you know, UEFA directive, 
we have to respond. We're obviously still involved in the tournament um, and hopefully can say that on Friday. Um, so therefore, we have to be able to be seen to take action and that action has to be swift and we have to take it from there. Martin, there's a point to this and I'm interested to get probably both your, your takes on this kind of, kind of quickly is I'm not suggesting that Rangers fans can go down a road of what about today and hey them over there, etc. But the missing part to this feels slightly as if if we're going to go down 15, 20 years ago and we're going back to those stages and we're talking about things like strict liability, etc. Mm-hmm. Surely there has to be some sort of involvement from the SFA to say you you as a club you know, cannot say X. However, you as a club can say X because you mean it a different way. And I think that we've seen some of that domestically. Now, there's obviously no reason for UEFA to get involved in this because it's a mm. Scottish game. And I think if you're talking about fueling a fire, which Rangers fans may feel, that if Celtic fans are able to create and host banners in the stadium, which use potentially deemed racist and sectarian language, they may feel as if, well, if that word is fair game, then it's fair game. And is it the job of the SFA to come into it and say, well, when these things happen, and I would probably open that up to to other usage. So Huns, for example, seems to be a word which is used without any real backlash whatsoever, predominantly by the Celtic support, of course. But if we're talking about using the F word, if we're talking about other derogatory terms, does, is it the position of the SFA, is it their responsibility to come into it and say, you cannot say, display, chant, sing, mention these words or phrases in any capacity, otherwise you will face action? Yeah, that that's the road that has to go down, or it looks like it has to go down, and it's a slippery, slippery road. The part of the frustration I think we all feel, um, and even our own groups have not been in terms of you know WhatsApp or whatever. Our own conversations have not been harmonious on the subject because it's 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 complex. It's layered. Um, issues around free speech uh, are involved. Issues around what's pantomime now and what's not really a sectarian problem in, a, in an overwhelmingly secular country now once upon a time that that was absolutely correct it, it was um a, a manifestation of of a, of a genuine sectarian division in scotland because that that was part of of scottish life because religion was a part of scottish people's lives a big part it's not the case anymore it's a hangover, a lot of that stuff. It, it, it is a pantomime. There's maybe a political element to it, which brings the F word into um, uh, another kind of context. And when the, the Green Brigade dress and act the way they, they, they do after their, their, their paramilitary heroes, um, is it really that surprising that, that maybe younger Rangers fans might want to remind them that their heroes lost and that that's a good thing that they lost? But it's all fueled by football rivalry. That that's all this is. Um, and it's it, football rivalry is based on badges. It's based on on using what you can from the past to say I am this and and you are that. You're talking about a song that's used all over Scotland and 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 Greenock and Paisley and um, Ayr and Kilmarnock and and maybe Dundee as well. You, you're swapping words to say that's all right and that's not. Because when you get into that kind of conversation. Where, where, what what words are we allowed to use and what, what we're not? This is why the, the conflict, that's why the situation is so complex underneath the UEFA thing, which is absolutely very simple. There's there's no argument there that that's kind of been lost, um, but the frustration holds because it isn't as simple as that. And what about when it gets used so often? I, I would love a defence lawyer when they bring case law to do in the, the, the defence for a, for a judge to say stop using what about today because that, that's literally what it is it's, it's, it's bringing well you know the, the law of the land has has acted in this way and in a similar uh, kind of situation it has to be consistent um so the whole thing's just a mire it, it's just a mess and when you start just taking away well, this word and that song and, and 
you, you've opened it all up. Uh, and I think that's where the, the, the frustrations come from because we, we are treated slightly differently. That does not mean that as a support we can say, you know what, does that song really have a place anymore? That's, a, in my opinion, my only individual opinion, that is for the supporters as a group to, to decide, not really the law of the land personally. But it's what produces all this angst, really. Um, and, and it's why this situation is never uh, clear-cut, because a lot of it, it is it, it, it's pantomime. And you, you see it, you must see it through football rivalries all over the, the, the world. Is the Milan, you, you know, Adam, you're the Italian expert, is the Milan division still based on, on class the way, the, the way it absolutely was maybe 70, 80 years ago? I, I, I don't know. I, I imagine it's kind of changed a wee bit um, because, you know, things do change and, and things become a wee bit more um, homogenous. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if slogans and, 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 and songs are still used to depict that division. Um, it, it must exist all through the game, um, and it's picking apart what's what's a genuine problem in society and what is, um, yeah, it's pantomime, and, and that's what, what what causes us some issues. And it, when we're trying to portion blame, the way that the, the club have had to do, I think, or felt they had to do, um, we can't neatly fit it in a box. Milan's not based on Milan's not based on a class anymore. They tend to just throw burning scooters at each other off the side of the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Can we bring that in here? Yeah, that would be quite good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adam, do you feel in that instance, as, as kind of Martin's obviously touched on there quite extensively, that we're talking about uh, we need to do a review across all of the language to be able to then say, you know, if that word offends me and that one doesn't, that is too too much of a great area or are we talking about a complete revision of what we can and can't say and what's acceptable and if you say things that are you know outlawed that there'll be repercussions okay i started off when when this came out thinking i think everybody knows what they're not supposed to say i think it's it's kind of obvious but i think unless it's as prescribed as that unfortunately there's always you're always going to leave yourself open and someone's always going to say well i didn't say that or or i didn't sing those words um so i don't know whether it's the return of the people who book or something like that or or whether there's a an sfa mandate but i think the club need to be clear and the club need to come out and say here are a list of songs that that you cannot sing because we will get into trouble with um, UEFA or, or possibly the SPFL um, or the SFA or, or anybody. Here are a list of songs that you can sing. I kind of agreed songbook if you like um, celebrating Rangers. Um, I think they need to come out and do that for everybody's sake, just to kind of, I guess, protect themselves as well um, and just make that Dubai to clear. It's, it's kind of a shame that it probably has to come to that, but I think just for, for safety on, on the club's part, I think that's something they should look to do. Okay, well, listen, um, we've spoken about this at length and um, and if you've enjoyed listening to what we've been discussing today, please ensure that you check out our Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Um, not only will you hear debates such as one that you've heard tonight, but there is a whole plethora of shows uh, onto the Heart and Hand Patreon site, which you can listen to for as little as one six nine a month. You'll be able to hear um, instances such as the boys have referred to, such as um, some of our Italian coverage as well, which has now started back up again with the season opening up. Um, and we'll also be doing previews of the old fun game. Um, unfortunately, because of Thursday's game, we won't be doing our uh, usual Heart and Hand Extra show. Um, but whilst I have you both here... Um, I would like your predictions, please, for our next two games. So, Adam, I'll come to you first. Ooh, uh, I'm going to go 3-1 Thursday and 2-0 Sunday. Okay, Martin? 2-1, 2-1. 2-1, nice and simple. Okay, um, I will say that we will win both games and I will say that we will win 2-0 on Thursday night. And four 0 on Sunday. And uh, if those if those come in, then you two are buying the beers. Um, okay. All that's left for me to do um, is to thank the executive producers in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers. Um, it's been wonderful talking to you both, and thank you for stepping in. Obviously, uh, we're only doing this as Mr. Edgar is getting a well earned rest. He will be back at the helm very very shortly. Um, so thank you very much, Mr. Adam Thornton. 
Cheers, Gammy. Cheers, Martin. Uh, Mr. Martin Ramsey. Pleasure, gentlemen. Excellent. And that's all from us for this week, folks. We will be back this time next Monday, hopefully celebrating an old firm win and looking forward to who we'll be getting in the UEFA group stages. Thanks so much for listening. That's all from us now. Bye-bye. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.